you know, bilateral stimulation is essentially what that is mm -hmm. when you're using both hands when, you know, you're doing different stitches and you're crossing. Um, I would say in most crafting and a lot of our experiences, you're going to have bilateral stimulation happening um, where, you know, you are using both parts of your brain. This is the Modern Domestique podcast, where each episode focuses on a different aspect of modern home economics. It's all about exploring a way of life that enhances our community and environment from where it all begins, in the home. I'm Stacy Keating, and this episode is an interview with Amy Leiter, Emily Rose Papil, and Emily Seagrave of Violet Hive Art Therapy. Violet Hive is a collection of therapists in Denver, Colorado. Their mission is to bring art to the community, as well as therapeutic services to families and organizations in need. They say that the act of expressing oneself through mindfulness and art brings us back to our authentic selves, allows us to feel connected to our dreams, and it heals us. You may be wondering what the connection between art therapy and modern home economics is, so let me explain where I'm coming from. When I think of different things that fall under the umbrella of modern home ec, things like crafting, cooking, homemaking, gardening, or sewing, they all have to do with using your hands and creativity. I know that lots of people find themselves feeling more relaxed after things like cooking or crafting, and there's a reason for this. They're unintentionally doing art therapy through engaging their senses and making creative choices. Amy and the two Emilies explain how this regulates the nervous system and keeps us present and engaged. They explain this throughout the interview, so make sure to listen all the way to the end. Cool, so I am here with three of the members of the Violet Hive, um, which is an art hive located in Denver. And uh, maybe Amy, you can start out with telling us exactly what the Violet Hive is. And for those okay. people who haven't heard of a hive maybe before, like explain that sure. a little too. So Violet Hive Art Therapy um, is where several of us do um, our own private practice. And so it's sort of an umbrella for a lot of people that are starting their own therapeutic practice. We involve art therapy, um, transpersonal counseling, energy work, and, you know, several different types of therapeutic work. And we also do art workshops and classes. So it's sort of a spectrum of um, really accessible art all the way to engaging in therapeutic services. And I think a lot of people also can do both at the same time or maybe when it's time to finish therapy, that it's a great way to kind of keep that, that work going. Because mm -hmm. um, a, lot, a lot of what an art hive is, which we're a part of a network of art hives, is basically providing community access to art. And right now we're currently in the process of being able to provide... Um, really affordable services and also free services. Cool. So a hive is more an art space than a therapeutic space is kind of that. Yes. But I think, um, you know, it's, it's my opinion and I, I think a lot of people would agree with this, that, you know, art's inherently healing. And I think, um, you know, that, that kind of is what brought us here today. Mm -hmm. Um, but just the idea of engaging with art and materials um, using your hands 
in community is really important. And I think there's a lot of people right now that are striving to have that reconnection with themselves, but also connect with their community members and people around them that have similar interests. Yeah, yeah. So what, um, for, for those listeners who don't know, what exactly is art therapy? Sort of in, in a general <laughs> sense, because I know there's a lot of different aspects to it. Um, well, so art therapy is essentially a type of therapy that incorporates um, not only talk, but another component as well, and that being art. It also means that there doesn't have to be any talking at all. Um, so people maybe seek out counseling because they want to be able to work through some issues they've had, be able to improve their ability to genuinely and honestly express feelings. And sometimes that can be a little intimidating when you think about setting up like a first therapy appointment with somebody, somebody who's completely unknown to you and you're just supposed to go there and start talking with them about stuff. Mm -hmm. So I think one of the really cool things about art therapy is that it kind of takes that, that edge of the fear of speaking about stuff. It takes that edge away a little bit because you have this other thing in the room, that being art, that you don't have to really talk. You can just start making marks on a piece of paper and you don't have to necessarily be a professional artist either. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a way of healing, like Amy said, and it's a way of further developing yourself. Um, yeah, and as far as the art piece of that is concerned, um, art therapy includes more than just like paper and you like drawing utensil or paint or something, right? It can be knitting, it can be textiles, it can be pottery, right? There's a lot of different All ways, different mediums, right? Yeah. All different forms of creative expression. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's that's one of the things that's unique about our training is that um, I would say the most valuable part of our training for me was as an artist learning to how to use materials therapeutically and mm -hmm. what materials are appropriate for different challenges or different things you might be working on. What would so, be some examples of those? Um, I think a really good example um, where, you know, you, you're very specific in picking out materials. Um, I've worked with a lot of kids with trauma. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, an example that always I remember is that, you know, with paint, with clay, mm -hmm. when you're working with people with trauma, when you're working with um, more sensitive subjects, you're not going to jump in with some of those materials because it's very easy to get overwhelmed mm -hmm. and to have regression. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of times, especially when starting to work with someone, I might pick colored pencils or graphite pencils or markers where you have a little bit more control. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. What, what about people who... Um you know, might feel like they could benefit from art therapy, but don't necessarily feel like artists, you know, like if they're maybe intimidated by even the concept of having to come up with something to put on a paper, even if it was, you know, just with a pencil that could be erased, you know, what, what about those kind of people? I think that for a lot of people, a blank piece of paper can be can be a little scary. Mm -hmm. um, you know, even being somebody who's enjoyed art all of my life and paint and things like that. Somebody puts a blank piece of paper in front of me and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. I don't know, what do you want me to do? Yeah. So I think in our training, we've, we've learned different ways to help support somebody mm -hmm. um, 
in those sort of situations, whether it's giving them a simple border or a simple directive that kind of plants the seed for creative expression. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we wouldn't, we wouldn't really be good art therapist if we just threw art supplies at people and we're like, now do something with them. <laughs> you know, every, the reason we're there is to help support the person in the process. Mm-hmm. So maybe they can handle a blank piece of paper. Maybe they don't see a blank piece of paper for a really long time because I know that's going to scare them off. Yeah. Um, I find that <clears throat> I sometimes like to start off my individual sessions with people. Um, like the first 10 minutes of session, I'll give them a piece of paper with a circle on it. And it, I think that that just kind of helps bring them into the moment and bring them into the space and this whole concept of art. And they can do whatever they want. We're just going to take 10 minutes to put something in that circle. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that as like a starting exercise is a really nice way to transition into whatever it is we're going to do next in the session and to kind of remove some of that debilitating fear at times, if you mm-hmm. will, of like, ah, art, what do I do? Yeah. Just fill something in the circle there. Yeah. Can also be um, a collaborative experience. So it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you do on your own. Um, I think one thing that's often encouraged is making art together, mm-hmm. whether that's the art therapist with the, the client or the artist um, or a community of people creating something together. Um, I think that can be a really great way to introduce people to, to art making, yeah. um, doing it together. Yeah, yeah, and what a great way to heal a community too. If something has, like, something big has happened to the community, to bring everybody together and kind of get everyone on the same page through using your hands. And that kind of brings me to my next um, question for you guys: is kind of the intersection of what I'm doing, which is home economics, which might not seem really related to art therapy to a lot of people at first listen or glance, but I think that it really is because I think that crafters and you know, homemakers in their own ways are doing their own kind of art therapy, you know, in a simple way without even knowing it. Um, So I was wanting to talk a little bit about how using your hands and your creativity um, is therapeutic and um, like at the base of it and then maybe how it can be taken to the next level. Yeah. Um, You know, while we provide, like, these services, individual services and workshops and things like that, and we want people to come and experience it and to connect with other art therapists, to connect with people in the community, we also are hoping that maybe they'll take some of these ideas and bring them home mm-hmm. and and kind of um, put better understanding into, you know, there's this big craze of adult coloring, yeah. but do we really know, like, why we're doing adult coloring? What is it helping with? And if we can be a little bit more aware of this take-home stuff, this mm-hmm. practice, these concepts, these skills that we're engaging at home and we're sitting down to sew something, mm-hmm. even if it's like repairing some clothing or mm-hmm. putting a button onto something, it's that moment when you have those materials in your hand and you're able to do something, to create something, to fix something, and and how good that feels when you're done doing it. Yeah. Um, or after a long day, you know, you sit down and you you pick up even like a younger kid's coloring book and you mm-hmm. just color in a coloring page. You know, it, it feels good. And, yeah. And asking yourself why it feels good and thinking about that sort of take home and mm-hmm. that practice that you can you can instill in yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we 
in this day and age, people are constantly thinking of ways that they can practice well-being. And, you mm-hmm. know, I'm, I'm mindful of what I eat, and I'm, I'm going to try this new fad or, you know, this drink. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm going to be more physically active by taking these exercise classes or making mm-hmm. sure I do this every day. You know, and, like, what about the art? Why not adding art into your daily practice of wellness and your routine, daily, weekly, what have you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you can. And I think that maybe... I don't know, for me, that kind of brought up the, like, feeling that I get when I craft, you know, not only, like, the joy of completing something and looking at something that I made from scratch, but also, like, just sitting there and doing something, like, say, knitting, you know, that's repetitive and, you know, without, like, having to put that much thought into it, like, just the feeling of doing something with both of my hands, Mm -hmm. you know, in a little space that doesn't have any time frame on it. It's like, you know, you just do it when you want. Like, maybe by focusing on that as a therapeutic thing, you can tap into that feeling, you know, if you're feeling anxious and you can't, like, run home and do your knitting. Like, maybe you can you know, tap into that feeling the more that you do it and mm-hmm. kind of help to self-soothe you yourself if you're going through something. I don't know, is that, is that yeah, a thing? <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, anything, even with the coloring books, with knitting, with sewing, um, clay, it's really, for me, the repetitive motion mm-hmm. that I actually think about because that actually is what regulates your nervous system mm-hmm. and what makes a lot of these things successful just on a, a body level. And I think the more that you can set intention when you do art or crafting, then it's your body sort of um, responds in a different way mm-hmm. um, because your mind is connected to what your hands are doing already, but mm-hmm. then your entire body can be connected to the experience. And I think, you know, with um, society and technology being so overwhelming and it's also taking over our work day mm-hmm. that you know what a great way to come home and actually reconnect to something with your hands and you know one of the things that um you know comes to me as well is the ability to connect to people that taught you these mm-hmm. skills for me it's my grandmother yeah. and sewing and so even though she's no longer physically present um I am connected to things that she made for me. I'm also connected to um, skills that she taught me. And with that, I can actually con- can connect to her even though she's no longer with me anymore. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there is something about being able to um, carry on traditions that mm-hmm. um, has a very therapeutic nature. The cool thing about making art amongst others, you know, in a group within community is to connecting to each other's art in that way. You know, like Emily said, maybe if it's um, making art together with others in a community, that sort of connection and those memories that are being built and then are something for you to go back and reflect on. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I like making art with others. Yeah. I do too. Um, I wonder too when you think of crafting and we think of it in the, the broader sense of cooking and gardening, um, sewing, knitting, drawing, pottery, um, and what they all have in common is they engage the senses. Mm-hmm. And in that way, when you're engaging the senses, it really becomes a very present centered activity yeah. and allows you to really just be in the present moment and, and enjoy that or be aware of that. Um, I think that in itself is really therapeutic, Mm. allowing yourself to do that. 
and and it can evoke things within yourself that you maybe didn't even know existed and and maybe it was just the the piece that you needed in that moment to to really validate what you're doing and who you are and what you were feeling yeah and um it's really cool to be able to 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 have that space to hold that space for somebody and to see them have things come out in themselves that they didn't even know existed yeah yeah and I mean I think that that's happened to me too before um you know I think there's something about using both hands is also using both sides of your brain like while you're kind of going through something and it just kind of helps bring clarity I like in my experience Mm -hmm. it just like without even realizing it you know I was gardening well I was working at the farm one time and I was raking up you know all the goat poop and I was going through something and I was like oh, wait a minute, like, and I had all of these, like, epiphanies on how to resolve this conflict I was having, um, and I think it was because I was, like, doing an activity while I was thinking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, is that something that you guys have learned about, too? Is that a, a real thing, too? Absolutely. <laughs> well, and, um, you know, bilateral stimulation is essentially what that is. Mm-hmm. When you're using both hands when, you know, you're doing different stitches and you're crossing, um, I would say in most crafting and a lot of art mm-hmm. experiences, you're going to have bilateral stimulation happening um, where, you know, you are using both parts of your brain. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it always makes me laugh because people are like, oh, like art is so right-brained. And I think that that is so false because there's so much creativity. I mean, you could be in IT, you can be yeah. an architect, you can be, I don't know, so many jobs where you're you're using your creativity even though it might be considered like a left brain job Mm -hmm. I think that creates um some barriers sometimes to people Mm -hmm. doing art and doing other things Mm -hmm. and then when you realize like oh I sat down to do a coloring page and you know you're being creative by every single color you choose by every mark that you make on the paper and how you make that mark, mm-hmm. you're making choices and being creative. And, you know, that's kind of how the process of art therapy starts. And that could also be the process to you discovering an entirely new hobby. Yeah. Um, whether it's cooking, ceramics, sewing, um, and even, you know, even when you talk about fermentation, when you talk about, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of things that are new for people now that people are exploring, um, there's all sorts of creative ways that you can make choices. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd love to talk about how you guys got um, were, were drawn to art therapy. Um, you know, was there a specific moment when you knew that, like, well, this is what I want to do, or did it kind of come over time? I think for me, um, mine is directly related to an experience because I'm adopted. And so, um, I was in the process of contacting my birth parents, um, about health issues. Um, so I began therapy for that process. Mm. And at the same time, I think there was a big life transition happening for me outside of just doing that process. I kind of realized that I wasn't really happy as a graphic designer, um, and my creativity wasn't being tapped into. Uh, and I was in therapy and my therapist, we were talking about, you know, abroad, like about life and about how things were going. Um, and that was also a search that I was on to Mm -hmm. try to find a career. And they're like, Hey, have you heard of art therapy? And I was like, no. 
So, um, yeah, I began that exploration by deciding what things in my career did work. Mm -hmm. So it was sort of a process of revival of the things that gave me joy. Mm -hmm. So um, working with people, you know, working with art materials, um, helping people, you know, focus on reaching their potential and how they can be successful. Um, so in order to do that with other people, basically the process of becoming an art therapist was that for me. Mm. Um, rediscovering myself as an artist was huge. Um, and probably I've leaps and bounds through healing happened mm. in my own artwork. But, you know, learning how to heal yourself and then through that process being able to walk other people through that is mm. a really fulfilling process for me. Yeah, I'd imagine so for sure. How about you ladies? Um, well, for me, I, I, always, I always loved art. Um, but for some reason, I got it in my head when I was going to school that, like, I didn't want to go to art school. Like, I just do art for me. I don't want to go to art school, even though everybody was like, you should go to art school. I was like, that's, that's just something I do because I enjoy doing that. And I don't think I really want to go to school to get my bachelor's in art. So I ended up going to school to get my bachelor's in psychology. And while I was doing that, um, I started volunteering at a domestic violence agency and going through the, that training to be a volunteer at the Domestic Violence Agency, part of the orientation was um, learning about the, children pro the children's program that they had, which was called PALS, which stands for Peace, a Learned Solution. And this was a program designed for um, children that were directly impacted by domestic violence um, and any other you know, sort of abuse. Uh, and it was a way that they could receive therapy services, um, sometimes in groups or individually. But we had a range of art therapy, music therapy, drama therapy, um, I think that was it. But it was during that orientation that I listened to this woman talk about art therapy. And I sat there in her art therapy room and I was like, wow, I was like, this is really cool. I was like, so I could be a therapist and have like this whole art space and get to work with people through art. And I was like, huh, I, that's what I want to do, you know? Yeah. And I was already thinking about going to grad school to get my master's. I knew that if I wanted to be a counselor, I'd have to get my master's. And it all just came to me at the right time. And I was like, art therapy, I want to get my master's in art therapy. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, well, I would say I've always been a creative person um, made art or um, done different crafts um, growing up. Um, I've always found a lot of comfort in it and also felt like myself um, when I made art and it's also been an opportunity for me to refine myself at times. Um, I think I connected with art therapy in my 20s when I had sort of a personal experience as well, so it's felt a lot like a personal journey um, of finding art to be um, the method for me to, um, I think, express myself in difficult times, which is, I think, what has been needed the most for me um, when I have struggled, is just being able to express that and, mm -hmm. um, you know, make it tangible and um, see myself and um, um, I think be able to move forward from that. So 
um, yeah, art has been huge for me personally, and so I, I, I think I just realized that um, it was such a powerful tool for me that um, it would be an incredible tool to share with other people, um, and I, I think I too, like, I love art, but I couldn't see myself going the path of um, being an artist. Um, there's something really meaningful for me in connecting with others. Um, I think especially those who are suffering in some way and being able to offer them something um, really beautiful and new and um, something potentially different and really life-changing. Um, yeah, so. yeah, that's very cool. Um, now I'm forgetting what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like the, I, I really like the, um, the realization when you could put purpose to this art thing, this yeah. thing that we, mm -hmm. it all sounds like we, we've loved ever since we were little. Yeah. And it was that moment when you were like, wow, this is really purposeful. This thing that we've been enjoying all our lives, like. We yeah. can connect better with ourselves. We can connect better with each other. We can grow. Yeah. We can help others grow. The ability to be able to give someone, like, permission almost, or that mm. tool for that freedom of expression. Yeah. And I remember, like, I still have the desk that was my grandma's that I did this at, but I remember being a very little kid, and she had a drawer full of art materials, and, of course, glitter was my favorite. <laughs> um, but she didn't care. Like, mm. I could make a mess, mm. and, you know, I think that's one of the things that's, like, one of the biggest things that I let happen yeah. at Violet Hive is that it's, like, you know, get glitter everywhere. Like, make a mess. Build like, we can clean it up. Or whatever, but yeah. it's, like, also, I think that permission to do it on the page, too. Mm -hmm. um, I'm really big on, you know, floating watercolor or, mm. you know, why don't you sew something in your painting or, mm -hmm. you know, here's a box of found materials. What do you want to add? And it's just that permission to kind of follow, like, what your heart is asking you to do. Yeah. I think it's the biggest thing. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And maybe, you know, for even, like, the home crafter or, you know, home person who uses their hand in a creative way um you know giving them permission to like take that time out of their busy schedule to do that you know I think could be a big piece of that too because I don't think people allow themselves that you know because even even with like television and stuff it's you know I think it can become like the water cooler talk at work like oh did you see that show last night and blah 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 like you know instead of feeling obligated to do it even if you like to do it you know maybe also give yourself permission to like have a Thursday where you don't turn on the TV or whatever and you do something creative. Um, I think that that space is also needed too. Yeah, and permission to slow yourself down. And, yeah. And be creative. And explore what kind of creative things you like to do mm -hmm. and, and things, yeah. And I mean, I think a lot of it, you know, we talked about the repetitive motion earlier, but, you know, it can become meditative. Mm -hmm. um, and so in the, in the same way that, you know, and I think the coloring, coloring page, it performs in that same way. Mm -hmm. um, but just being able to do those repetitive motions and even, even if for a little bit, you know, you become silent or you lose time a little bit that it's not doing it mindlessly and absorbing something outside of yourself. Yeah. Yeah, you're actively doing something in that moment, even if you have lost track of time and, like, forget to, I don't know, eat your lunch or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
Very cool. Well, um, I'd like to kind of end maybe with um, some pieces of advice. If you guys had any pieces of advice for someone who's maybe a bit hesitant to start a creative path or to see an art therapist or, you know, whatever piece of advice is coming to you right now. Just do it for yourself. Um, you know, and I, th I, I think mindfully we're, we're in the process of planning a lot of activities and, um, you know, giving people a little more of an opportunity to engage with our organization, um, maybe on a one-night workshop or some other things that allow you to get a taste of something. Um, so, you know, we offer, Emily Rose offers visual journaling, Emily offers ceramics, I work with a lot of the teens and kids, and we'll also be offering painting and giving someone the opportunity to have one session before they make a big investment mm -hmm. to kind of try it out. So mm -hmm. it kind of gives you that permission if you've never painted mm -hmm. to go somewhere and, you know, trust me enough yeah. to hold you in that space mm -hmm. for that two hours mm -hmm. um, and just give it a shot. Like, you don't have to hang it up on your wall. Yeah. Um, for me, it's always allow yourself to have that process of having an experience and feeling yourself in your body and being around other people and a new space. Yeah. I, I really like what Amy is saying about giving yourself permission. Um, and she was also mentioning that I, I enjoy doing the visual journals and, and altered books and that's something that I'm offering at Violet Hive. Um, and one of the things that I sometimes present to people when they're doing altered books or visual journaling is before we even get started at all outside of the book, outside of the journal, on a piece of paper, we're going to make a permission page. And this page is permission to create, mm. permission to make whatever it is you want, permission to, to not judge yourself in this moment. Um, so that would be the advice that I give to others. Give yourself permission to try something new. Give yourself permission to scribble on a piece of paper and not make some drawing that's really detailed and specific. Give yourself yeah. permission to, to mess up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to be present with mm -hmm. what you're doing. Cool. I think my advice would be to um, not do it alone, maybe, at, mm -hmm. you know, at first. Yeah. Um, either set a date with a friend to do something, or sign up for a workshop, or a class. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that could be a good way to get into it. Mm -hmm. I think also putting it in your planner, um, putting scheduling and time in your planner, um, can help and also gosh I think if you sign up for something it's like you're giving yourself that gift of time too yeah. because um, so much of the time I think it's the time or it's um, like not following through um, yeah I really like that putting it in your planner like it seems so simple but I could see how that would make such a huge difference in like actually doing it you know because you get home and you know, there's dinner after work and like all these, you know, tasks that you have to do. So like actually scheduling that time, even though it's scheduled time, I could see how it could be huge to help that creative process. And preparing, preparing for it. Like, yeah. Like you would anything else. Yeah. You know, yeah. For work or, you know, people that prepare their lunch for the day or, mm -hmm. you know, for their workout. It's like, you know, give it that same value. Yeah. Even though it's an experience that might be new. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we wouldn't think twice about scheduling an appointment to 
go to the doctor yeah. or, you know, um, go to the gym, mm-hmm. schedule time to go walk your dog, schedule yeah. time for all these other things we do in life, you know, that, that self-care component, you really need to schedule it yeah. as well. and Because um, it can definitely get lost mm-hmm. in the shuffle. Wow. And I think it's a really good um, example, you know, if you have kids or other people around you, other generations that can be learning just how to care for yourself. Yeah. If you give yourself that gift, you know, you can give back to your families or partners or other people, your dog, I don't know, (laughs) in your life, but that, you know, you're, you're taking that time that you gave yourself and the feeling you get to work the next day to your partner, Mm -hmm. to friends you're spending time with or your family. And, um, you know, that's, I think one of the biggest reasons I do what I do. Yeah. Very cool. So for those people who are in the Denver metro area, mm-hmm. um, the Violet Hive is open every day? Um, we are open when we have appointments mm-hmm. and when we have workshops. I think um, we'll be logging a lot more hours and downtime when we don't have those things there. Um, but we're located in the Bluebird District, so one of the cool things is the Bluebird Theater is close yeah. by. We have a lot of restaurants and Congress Park and City Park neighborhoods around us. So there's a lot of foot traffic, there's a lot going on, um, and so, you know, we're going to make our best efforts to be around just to even say hi, or, you know, you can come in and check things out. Yeah, cool. Otherwise, there's scheduled workshop times and things like that. And um, Absolutely. Our calendar, like, hopefully, will so soon be full for the rest of fall. Cool, cool. So I'll put all the links to everything on the blog, and thank you three so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Modern Domestique podcast, and a big thanks to Amy, Emily, and Emily for today's conversation. To learn more about art therapy and Violet Hive, head over to the Modern Domestique website for links and more information. Up next in Season 2 is an interview with a community gardening program, Growing Gardens, so make sure to subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a thing. And if you like the podcast, please take the time to tell a friend or even better to leave a rating or a review so that other people can find this podcast too. As always, I'd love to hear about your takeaways from today's episode. So please make sure to stay in touch on the website, Facebook, or Instagram. Thanks again for tuning in and have a very modern domestic day.